Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounder. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joining me today is Jamin Moore of Quake's Epicenter and American Soccer Analysis uh, to give us a little bit of a preview of the Quakes, which is and actually kind of a double preview. We found out today that uh, the Sounders and Quakes will be reprising this match that they're playing on Saturday uh, in a couple weeks when they meet in the fourth round of the U.S. Open Cup at Starfire. So welcome. Welcome. We're going to get to know you guys pretty well over the next few weeks. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And I'm up here in uh, in the Pacific Northwest here with you and the Tacoma region. So We'll get to get to probably see you again, Jeremiah. It's been a little while. We uh, got yeah. to uh, meet and catch up a bit in the press box last year. And, I, you know, I was like, man, decision day is so far away. Like, you know, when are we going to get to do this again? And then, uh, you Fair know, enough. yeah, I, I actually said to us, to our uh, patron Slack today, I'm like, uh, you know, the best case scenario for me, of course, is if the, uh, the earthquakes have to come up and play the Sounders, because then I can uh, be there in person. And sure enough, like uh, someone heard my prayers, I guess. Yeah, it's it was. I mean, I don't know. I I'm, I have mixed feelings about the Open Cup. Uh, in one sense, I guess it's 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 like narratively good that uh, there's a bunch of USL champion all USL championship matchups because it ensures that there will still be lower division teams uh, in the round of sixteen. But on the other hand, man, this this round of U.S. Open Cup does not have a lot of intriguing matchups because it's almost all MLS versus MLS or USL Championship versus USL Championship. Uh, and of the of all the matchups that we could have ended up with in this round, probably the most compelling would have been Sounders versus Phoenix and uh, Sacramento versus versus San Jose. But here we are. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think you guys are probably getting tired of uh, playing the Timbers every single time you come. Into well, that's true. Every year that's too, so that's always the worst case scenario is is meeting the Timbers early in the tournament because it's just it's just not. I mean, one of you's gone, and yeah, no one's happy usually. And it's like, and it always, and it, and it hasn't always been as exciting as we want it to be. I mean, like the maybe, and I, mean, I think part twenty fifteen was, was pretty darn exciting. 2014 and 2015 were both very exciting. Uh, 2015, though, was a quarterfinal, or 2014 was a quarterfinal. Okay. Uh, but then, yes, 2015 was when it kind of all boiled over and went sideways, and, and it was like, <laughs> well, I don't know if I have an appetite for this anymore. <laughs> well, after that, I would have been like, give me the, give me three or four more of this. Uh, right, this yeah. Is, seems pretty good. But then you know that Clint Dempsey's not going to be there for right. to play in them for quite some time. Yes, yes, he's still serving that suspension. Um, <laughs> yeah, if he if he decided to come out of retirement, he would not be playing in the Open Cup. No, he would he would definitely not. But uh, looking ahead to this Saturday match, uh, it comes at a very timely uh, period in both team schedules. The Sounders are 
using this sort of as a warm up for uh, the Champions League final uh, in Mexico City and uh, the first leg of the Champions League final in Mexico City. And San Jose will be playing their first league game with new head coach Alex Cavello. Uh, Matias, as you may have heard, Matias Almeida was recently fired. What can you tell us about that whole situation? How dramatic of a change does Cavello represent from uh, Matias Almeida? I think the, uh, the Quakes will use bulletin board material if uh, the, anyone says that they're a, a warm-up or a tune-up for the uh, CCL. <laughs> but in, in truth, I think Quakes fans are like, yes, please use this as a warm-up and uh, you know, don't send out necessarily your best players. Definitely reserve them for CCL. So look, I mean, Quakes fans are desperate for a win. You can't blame them. They got one the other night in, uh, in the Open Cup uh, 5-0. Yeah, with, uh, with Alex Cavello's first game playing against Bay City's FC in their fifth competitive game ever. And by the way, uh, Hailstorm last night won uh, against RSL in their fourth ever competitive game. So that's not necessarily a gimme, obviously. Yeah. But uh, no, the Quakes uh, have a lot of young talent and they showed it off and the young talent looked very good. You know, the, 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 the thing that we've, we've talked to both Chris Leach and Alex Cavello in this transition about is, you know, is the man marking just gone for good? And, and the answer is very clearly, it's gone for good. Alex Cavello, we have a good sense for how he's likely to play because he's been the chief uh, of methodology, head of methodology for the earthquakes now since 2017. He's actually oh. been an earthquakes assistant coach twice through interim transitions before. So this is not his first rodeo. He also did a head coaching stint in Italy for San Marino back when they were in the third division, their fourth division now. Um, and so, you know, he, he has done some time at the professional ranks before, but he is a tactician. And the thing that the Quakes need right now is someone who can kind of scheme this team into starting to get wins as compared to Matias Almeida, who would throw caution to the wind and uh, push numbers forward and then just let, you know, counters run amok as in uh, Haney Mukhtar just going right down the middle of the pitch 60 yards last week for, a, for an easy one-on-one uh, -on -one with JT Marcinkowski. And you might recall, um, we're not that far removed from the time that Jordan Morris did the same thing to the earthquakes a couple of years back in a, in a, in a, a pandemic game with, uh, with no crowd at uh, Lumen Field. But, you know, that, uh, you know, that's something that, you know, was a fairly common occurrence in uh, Matias Almeida's time in San Jose. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people knew it was time to be done and ready to move on. And one of the things that I heard Alex uh, talk about today in his press conference was the importance of structure. Um, and, you know, that's a word that I think is music to the ears of a lot of people who uh, kind of grew tired of the Almeida uh, lack of structure uh, that came from his, uh, his man marking style. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be different. It's not going to be what you've seen from the earthquakes for the past few years. Um, and the earthquakes are, are at home. So, you know, hopefully the crowd will show for this one, uh, put support behind Cavello and the team. And, uh, you know, I think the earthquakes are going to go all out for a win for sure. So one of the things I've never really understood was the quakes brought over Matias Almeida, knowing exactly what he was, knowing exactly what kind of system he intended to bring. And in fact, seemingly wanted that, like they wanted, uh, they, they wanted to do this. And yet my understanding of, uh, and you sort of alluded to with Cabello being the head of methodology is that 
their entire like they had they didn't have a second team but they have a, a, a reasonably robust academy yes who was all training in a way that was a much more traditional style of play which i suppose makes sense from a like we're just trying to make good soccer players perspective but like if you are gonna hire a matias almeida why are you like like are they, they it never se- i guess my point is like it never seemed like they really were fully committed to Almeida's vision it was almost like they brought him in as a gimmick and like meanwhile we're we're sort of like just biding time to go back to normal yeah no I mean you're you're raising a good question and one that I've I've talked to former general manager Jesse Fiorinelli about uh extensively honestly because you know he made both hires he made the Alex Cavello hire and he made the Matias Almeida hire right but he also uh made the Mikhail Starry hire and one of the things that that Starry did is he sat uh, a little bit too deep and without the weapons to be able to counterattack. That was not a Quakes team back in 2018 that was blessed with any speed. So if you can imagine, you're winning the ball deep, uh, you're getting sliced up a, a good bit, you know, on counters and such like that. But when you win the ball, you're winning it deep, and then you don't have the weapons to be able to get forward. It's a recipe for disaster. And no wonder he didn't last more than a little over half the season. At that point, um, you know, they, uh, they brought in Steve Ralston, who's actually one of the assistants uh, under um, Alex Cabello now. And Ralston kind of brought, you know, a bit more structure back. But one of the things that Almeida noticed is that the teams that were getting success at that time in the league were teams that were pressing and that were winning the ball high and that were kind of chaotic. And, and the Red Bulls, I think, really kind of stuck out at him at that time. And his uh, father was very good friends with Matias Almeida. And I think he just saw an opportunity to kind of inject the quakes with that kind of chaotic, high-pressing style and understood that, hey, this is something that's it's worked in Liga MX, or at least he thought it did. And I, I've torn apart the data to show that it actually never really did. But, um, you know, at the time, it seemed like a, a great idea. Let's get this international coach. Let's, let's put the quakes kind of on the map for a bit to have hired him. Uh, made a splash in the Latino community in San Jose, which is a very big one. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of good reasons to have hired Matias Almeida. And the timing of it, I think, was also very good because uh, because of those reasons of trying to attract uh, the Latino community. It was at a, at a time where the club really kind of needed to inject some additional life into things. All those are like good reasons. But to your point, there's this academy way of playing that we really haven't seen make its way up to the first team and now we're kind of about to and this is an academy but and and you know congrats to the sounders u17s for winning a ga cup but this is a team that has beaten the sounders u17s before the quakes u17s i mean and they beat river plate in the ga tournament so this is an academy that's coming into its own they just missed going through in ga cup um, but uh, they can go head to head with some of the best academies now in MLS. And Cavello is the designer of the methodology that they execute. The 15s are also an, an excellent team, and they did well at GA Cup as well. So, you know, we're going to uh, we're going to see, I think, over the next few years, some of this youth coming up through. And now Alex Cavello's methodology is going to get a chance to go front and center with the first team. And uh, you know, we'll see how this plays out. Um, he certainly. I don't think is the odds on favorite to be the permanent head coach, but if the season goes well enough from here forward, he probably will get the rest of the season to, uh, to get to, uh, to put this in. And then uh, based upon how that goes, maybe he'll get a shot at the full-time gig. 
And he brought in a couple legends to be assistants, right? Uh, Chris Wondolowski right. and Steve Ralston. Absolutely. Uh, the number one goal scorer and the number two assist man in MLS history. So certainly uh, uh, two players that are respected in MLS. Wando is a legend, obviously, in the club. Ralston, you know, really is too at this point. And, uh, you know, those are, those are two coaches that even if Alex Cavello doesn't have the MLS cred, you know, his, his assistants do. And uh, I think like together, this is going to be a pretty good group because I think he does bring that uh, tactical ability that's kind of missing a little bit with, with someone like Ralston, but Ralston's a great practice guy. He knows, he knows how to take a head coaching vision and implement it from a practice perspective. That's what he's best at. And uh, I think like the two of them plus Wando's energy in the, in the, in the, uh, in the locker room are going to be, uh, you know, something that will, will bring some life to this team. So I figured, like when I was looking at the landscape, I think in hindsight, Alex Cabello probably makes the most sense. He was right there. He mm-hmm. clearly is qualified. He's, he's maybe even more qualified to be sort of an interim coach uh, to sort of train on and, and potentially go for the uh, job than he would be otherwise. But one of the names I kind of expected to be in the, in the mix is a, is a Seattle guy uh, who I assume you, you know well, Ian Russell who uh, coached at Reno in, in the earthquakes organization uh, most recently was at Toronto as an assistant. Is, is he someone that you think is going to be considered and more broadly, who do you think, who are some of the names that you're hearing are legitimate candidates for this job? Yeah. Ian Russell, as you, as you mentioned, a Seattle guy um, and uh, someone that I've had the fortune of uh, getting to know a little bit over the years um, you know, my understanding was he was one of three people that were in the conversations for the interim role, but I think because there was no guarantee around how long the interim role was going to be, um, you know, up and moving his family from Reno was not in the cards at this time for him. And so now uh, he will, though, I think, be in uh, the permanent, uh, you know, that's what he wants. More than, I think more than anything, Ian Russell wants to be the head coach of the San Jose Earthquakes. So, you know, that's certainly something that, that he wants. And, and uh, I'm sure that's well known by Chris Leach and the front office. And he's going to get a lot of consideration in this process. But another name that we've heard that's quite interesting is Luchi Gonzalez. And when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense because one, man, Luchi ran into like the worst, head, worst luck a head coach ever ran into, I think, down in FC Dallas. You know, he's, he's, he's got a great system, great style of play, but he had so many injuries, so many things go wrong down there. Players sold out from underneath of him that he didn't, it, you know, he wasn't ready to part with. There's all kinds of things that went on yeah, down That there. was a very, a very strange situation. Very uh, strange situation. Because it, it seemed like everything went wrong and there was no consideration given for any of the things. Like it was all, not even, like all this stuff completely obviously out of his control uh, okay. on top of all the big spending to the degree that Dallas spent, they weren't buying players that were actually producing. There's also a, there's also a very weird stat that under uh, underlied um, Lucci's last season, which explains a lot of things. They actually gave up seven penalties that season and got zero. So they actually, if you take into account, take, take off the own goals, which are random, you know, luck things. And, you know, his, his back line just being ripped to shreds, 
with a bunch of, you know, uh, bad decision-making in the back and the penalties they were given up, he actually had a positive goal differential. And I don't think you would have been fired if that, if people had really put into consideration all the different factors that poor Lucci was dealing with down there. That said, when you think about the fact that the earthquakes want to be a premium at Destin, destination Academy and the Bay area is so ripe with talent. It's, it's yes. huge, huge talent, uh, you know, and, and the Quakes are the only game in town. It's not like in LA because, you know, you have the Galaxy, you have LAFC, and then you have Mexico so darn close that they're all competing for kids down there. Um, in the Bay Area, the game, the Quakes are the only game in town. And, and uh, even, like even at the, the youth, like the only competition that I know of, Deanza Force is like the only. Yeah. And, and by the way, Deanza is run by ex-Quakes guys. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, the Quakes can, if they decide like they want to make nice with De Anza and kind of partner up a little bit more on some of the homegrown type stuff and uh, throw them a bone every once in a while, which I've suggested they do, by the way, uh, you know, then, um, you know, I think the Quakes have access to all the all the talent that there is. And not only that, um, Lucci is obviously a player development guy. So if you can imagine the possibilities of bringing in a Lucci Gonzalez with that kind of opportunity in San Jose, you can certainly see where Chris Leach is coming from by considering him. But in the short term, Lucci is currently the assistant on the U.S. national team to Greg Berhalter and about to go to the World Cup. So if you're Lucci Gonzalez, do you go permanent Quakes job or World Cup? I would go World Cup. I think most of us would go World Cup, but we don't know what's going through Lucci Gonzalez's head right now. Well, it seems like waiting until the end of the season you know, maybe even the new year probably makes a lot of sense for the Quakes to find a, to decide on a permanent coach for all the reasons. Uh, one of the other names that we heard mentioned, it sounds like it was almost exclusively, uh, you know, agent talk, yes. but uh, Eric Winalda was a name that was mentioned uh, by several, I think you, you may even mention that his name was being thrown out there. Yep, but, uh, is that, is that something that's being seriously considered? I think as a Sounders fan, I fully support uh, hiring Eric Winalda for the earthquakes. <laughs> give, give me the reason for that. <laughs> well, because I love the idea of like getting to face Eric Winalda twice a year and, and get six points. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know uh, if uh, Eric is going to be a serious candidate or not. Obviously, he does have the ties to the earthquakes. I don't know what his relationship with Chris Leach is. Oh, I'm sure I it's did. great. He's, his relationships are good with everyone that he's used to work with, is my understanding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're tongue-in-cheek with that comment. Uh, and the same, by the way, with uh, uh, Hugo Perez, too. So, uh, yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that Hugo Perez was a bridge burner as well. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, well, let's just say things are things tend to uh, get interesting whenever uh, he's engaged on, well, pretty much any uh, soccer venture at all. So, yeah. um Anyway, uh, and th this is, by the way, this is not me saying it. I think you could ask his son, who was the head coach of Bay Cities the other night, who probably <laughs> would give you the same answer. So we're just having some fun here. But uh, no, there are definitely some interesting names uh, around this team, uh, some of which I think would probably require Chris, Chris Leach uh, swallowing a little bit uh, in order to do. But, you know, I do think that Chris... Uh, I've talked to him about this. He has the future of the club in mind and he wants to make sure that what he does next is setting up, you know, the earthquakes to be able to take an another step back to what they, you know, once were and uh, get back to that. And I think that's, um, you know, the right, the right thing for, for him to do. He's set up 
kind of the, uh, I, you know, he doesn't have a long-term deal right now. And what he's really kind of focused on is uh, kind of setting up the, uh, all, the, all the, um, the contracts and everything so that it's attractive to a head coach coming in. He can get the right coach in. Uh, he can, he can uh, make that work with the academy program, have that pipeline all the way through, get these young players a pathway, start selling them you know, where, where it uh, makes sense to, like Cade Cowell or Marcos Lopez or some of the other talent that they have, start getting them moved to Europe. And then you know, now you've got that virtuous cycle going. The Quakes right now need to make that virtuous cycle happen. They need to make, uh, they need to move a couple players, you know, get some money going. Uh, you know, they got John Fisher as an owner. He's not going to give them a bunch of additional money. So they're going to have to do it themselves, you know, through the uh, transfer market. And, uh, you know, that's, I think, what Chris Leach is trying to set this club up for right now is that kind of next phase of, of growth within MLS. So this is a bit of a, a I don't know that, that, Sounders fans are interested in this question, but I, as a South Bay native and someone who spent uh, the most of my life uh, in, in the South Bay until I moved to Seattle in, in 2009, I've always just been, it's always driven me crazy uh, that the, and especially now, like the South Bay has grown up a lot in, in the last 40 years uh, to the point now where it's one of the most wealthy regions of the country, of the world. Right. And it's it drives me crazy that the earthquakes act as if they are a small market team when they are not just a South. I mean, even if they chose to be just a South Bay team, which they seem to have done, they 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 are effectively a Bay Area team if they wanted to be. Uh, and but they don't act that way at all. Uh, they, as far as I know, they don't market themselves north of Palo Alto. Uh, they don't really even I don't I don't know that they even market themselves south of uh of the Morgan Hill border. Uh, and they, they have this huge region that they have access to, but they, 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 in, they insist on acting as if they're this small team uh, who, who like is kind of like, just like getting by on, on, uh, on the margins. What, what has to happen for that to change? Do you think what, and, and, and am I being too harsh by saying that they, they aren't, no. Doing more. I know I, I don't think you are. I think that, you know, they have limited themselves in some ways. And part of that is ownership. But part of that is the fact that in, when times have kind of gotten tough around this team, they tend to like almost like clam up a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And what they really need to do is they really need to get aggressive in terms of that type of outreach. So I think there's a multi multi pronged thing, a couple of which things we've already talked about. One is the youth side of things. They need to become the destination place in the Bay Area in terms of their academy, building facilities, which I know, you know, the Sounders are going to be building their facilities. The Quakes should be building their facilities right around the same time. Uh, they're getting some land. They're negotiating. Uh, they got an exclusive agreement with Santa Clara County to build a facility at the Santa Clara Fairgrounds. So they're going to work that deal out, get to the final numbers and start building a facility there. They're going to redo parts of the stadium. Uh, they're already making, I think, the splash with the academy side. You know, all it takes is, you know, a Cruz Medina sail to the Bundesliga. And, you know, all of a sudden, like, I think, you know, the faucet's going to get turned on finally, right? So those are all parts of it. Part of it is they've also um, done some hiring on the marketing side. Uh, and uh, they've done some, some other things, which I think are going to start to bear some fruit here. But really kind of making nice with the youth clubs in the area, getting, you know, the, the soccer-loving families back into the stadium, 
uh, they, you know, and uh, rebuilding some of the uh, the bridges that got burned by previous uh, people, unfortunately, that they had in the organization. Um, for me, all those things and uh, starting to act like a big club from a transfer perspective, it's going to raise the profile of the earthquakes. Uh, the youth players are going to want to play there. Um, the academy is already doing well. It can do even better. Uh, you know, there's uh, the up. The, the, honestly, the the sky's the limit. And it doesn't matter that your owner is John Fisher, who tends to pinch pennies, um, because, again, the, the Quakes have the opportunity to make whatever revenue they want to make. If their academy is rich enough and they can start to move players into Europe, then the money will be there. It's not limited by John Fisher. And John Fisher, by the way, a lot of people go and, and The Athletic wrote about this. And then Ray Ratto wrote about this for, for Defector, talking about, you know, John Fisher is going to run the earthquakes into the ground. That's not true. Because John Fisher has is investing in all these infrastructures. He's replaced the pitch the last two years. He's the one who's going to be funding this development, redoing parts of the stadium. Uh, he's hired in new back office staff. They've hired an analytics team now. Uh, uh, you know, so look, there's a lot of investment going on around the San Jose earthquakes that is not designated players. Right. And I think when people criticize John Fisher, it's that he's not spending on designated players. They do have three of them but they're all tamable. And you know what I'm talking about with that? Yeah, they're all yeah, tamable yeah. designated players. The next level is going to be, they have to sell someone in order to be able to get someone. Right. And I think that's, that's really where this team needs to kind of focus uh, in order to, to get to the next level again. Well, uh, I, I guess I should mention as well that the, uh, the mighty heritage cup is also being uh, it contested is. Uh, this game. Ned Zaparco will say, thank you for mentioning that, by the way. He's yes, always, I'm, I'm sure I would my go. emails about that. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I believe the Sounders are the current holder. Don't. Yes. I think from 2021, they were, I think uh, we, I think Wikipedia is incorrect in that the quakes won the tiebreaker for 2020. I don't understand it myself ex exactly how. Um, and Wikipedia apparently still says the Sounders won 2020, but I'm told the Quicks actually won 2020, the Sounders won 2021, and of course, you know everything resets for the new season. So, right. does yeah. Open Cup get thrown in there? It, I don't know, think it does. I think I, don't, I guess it, not. I, yeah, I don't think so. But uh, I, I have one other pitch for you. I don't know how this would be accepted. <laughs> but what are the chances of the second team of the Earthquakes being called the Clash? Yeah, that you know what? That's and wearing throwback the, the old clash uniforms as well. That's that's really not a bad idea. I kind of like the Tacoma Defiance thing, uh, uh, instead of like Sounders 2 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, you know, so long as it you you know, like, okay, this is actually the Sounders 2 team, that's cool. Like <laughs> let them have their own identity. That's really not a bad idea because the Quakes, every time they throw up like this uh retro clash gear. They sell out like so fast. People love the retro clash stuff. I, I, I'm going to have to mention that to somebody. I think that's a fantastic idea, Jeremiah. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to take that one back to the FO here and see if I can you get should. done. You should. And I'll, and I'll, I'll <laughs> give they, that credit they to, listen to me part. about everything. <laughs> yeah. It, it is a funny one because uh, the clash had great branding. Like it was like it visually great. It, it clearly didn't resonate with people the way that uh, you'd like it to have. And I can understand why, like, I definitely understood why they well like it clashed uh, with itself in, in many ways right it did uh but like the colors are great uh the logo was solid uh a the lot scorpion. of it yeah that scorpion was great i don't know what it had to do with the clash but i had no idea i still don't know the answer to that question but 
it was it i thought it 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 worked i think it could especially with this 90s revival that is going on in the world right now i i'm a big fan and i uh i i won't even ask for credit uh if you uh if, if this happens so it's free well, a- you know what let's let's get it going maybe we need like a second level heritage cup trophy right. or something to really kind of throw some spice into this yeah there we go uh i'm uh but uh Yes, let's uh, let's let the Heritage Cup uh, uh, chase for this season begin. I know that's critically important to Sounders fans in the wake of CCL going on, yes. Open Cup going on, uh, the Cascadia Cup going on. Yeah. I mean, Heritage Cup though, right at the top. I don't know right why up, right Garth. I don't know why Garth is not on the microphone talking about Heritage <laughs> Cup. To be quite honest. Yes. Well, uh, Jamin, uh, as always, it was great having you on. Hopefully. Uh, our listeners enjoy learning a bit more about the earthquakes, uh, sort of a distant, maybe not even distant, a, sort of a cousin. Uh, they are uh, fellow 74s. They're fellow 74s. Uh, That's the purpose behind the Heritage Cup. Right, right, exactly. And, you know, we do have a, we, we you know. My birth year, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Because people won't see this. They won't actually see how old I, I actually am. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> 74 was a good year. <laughs> That, that will make a great uh, addition to the to the uh, audio. But anyway, <laughs> uh, Jamin, uh, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see you if 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 we'll we don't see you at Starfire. I, we'll see you at Starfire. If nothing else. Yeah, uh, and uh, maybe we'll have a chance to run into each other at the CCL game while I wear my uh, or while I wear my MLS hat and yes. uh, and come check it out since I'm up in the area and I definitely want to see a CCL final. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you'll have a good time. All right. Looking forward to it. Take care, Jeremiah. Yep. Uh, Thanks for listening to the Sound Heart Podcast, and uh, we'll catch you next time.